Tennessee Wildcast is live on the air with the latest on hunting, fishing, boating, and all things outdoors. Make welcome your host, drummer and outdoor expert novice, Jason Harmon. All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this edition of Tennessee Wildcast. I'm excited about today's show. As you can see, we're not in our normal studio. Uh, you see some bait behind me, some <laughs> trophies, a bass boat maybe in this corner. I don't know what you're seeing, but hey, guess where we are? Ott Defoe's house in his man cave, the 2019 Bassmaster Classic Champion. Isn't this awesome, Matt? You know, I've done a couple podcasts with you now, but I've never been more excited to do one <laughs> than I am right now. I'm almost giddy, to be yeah. honest with you. So if you've panned out to the wide shot, you see the trophy in front of us and Ott, we are so glad you let us uh, invade your space and be a part of the show today. Absolutely, man. Very thankful for y'all to take your time to come out here and, uh, and and film right here at home, make it easy on me. But no, really awesome to be on be on the show and uh, you know just get to talk about some bass fishing. Well, you were yeah. out practicing earlier doing yeah. some other fishing or something, so we had to accommodate for you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I appreciate that. Yep. I know uh, you were out with your family, taking your son out. Yeah, I heard you had a pretty good day. Yeah, yeah, it was. But you know, living right here on the Holston River, man, having having the ultimate playground, in my opinion, right in your backyard is something I try to take advantage of anytime we get the chance. And yeah, yeah. getting to go out there. And he may have beat me actually. Mm today um <laughs> it, it quite possibly beat me in about every but category that you can he did yeah. yeah parker his son's already told us caught the most caught the first caught the last caught the biggest yep. i think yeah everything in between i think there's actually been a fish added to the number maybe too, possibly it, it <laughs> since it, the trip but at least he added one to my number so we're we're, so you we're go. good there you yeah. go, there there you go. go. Yeah. i think uh I think we may have a new bass master classic champion in the future what do you think yeah <laughs> no kidding i know he can outdo me yeah. <laughs> <laughs> me too me too well, uh, let's jump right in. I'm okay. excited to talk about how it feels to be the champion. Tell us about that. Man, it's a dream come true. You know, I, I mean, that may sound a little cliche, but it really is. From the time I was nine years old, going to my very first Bassmaster Classic, that became my dream, you know. And, and so to be able to have, to have won this one anywhere would have been special. But being right here at home, not only in my home state, but in my hometown of Knoxville just was that much better. I mean, it really was. So dream come true. Even surpassed any dream I, I could have imagined as to what it would be like. It certainly surpassed that. And you've been you've been chasing this dream for a long time now. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about your your uh, ups and downs and getting to that point. Absolutely, and I'll have to keep that pretty short. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> unless, <laughs> unless we got a couple hours talking about it, but uh, but no, for for me, I, I mean, I started fishing locally. Started fishing, you know, team tournaments, that type of thing. Fished a club right here in East Tennessee. Worked my way up from that, you know, bigger team tournaments up to like a triple A type level. Mm -hmm. And that was with FLW that I started on like the uh, Everstart and Strength Series and that kind of stuff. Right. The, to the FLW Tour. Fished that, about four, fished that for four seasons before I made the switch over to the bass, to the bass side. Because I always wanted to fish the Classic. And with FLW, sure. you just can't get to a Bassmaster Classic. So... I took that leap, uh, leap of faith, definitely in 2011 to go to the Elite Series side, and that was where I started making the classics and made the made the next eight in a row, and this one in Knoxville being my eighth one, you know, consistently, but uh, first one that I was able to able to win. I think that's a great one to bring home. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So kidding. the perks of being a champion. I mean, what's tell us some of that? I mean, I'm sure do your friends treat you any different, <laughs> or you know, are you walking around the Walmart and people are like, hey, that's hot. Yeah. I've got a lot more friends now, <laughs> but but no, the friend, friends I've had certainly. I mean, they're you know good as gold and, mm -hmm. and nothing any different there. But yeah, no, it's it's really awesome, and and I think I'm able to see that even more so because it was a hometown deal. 
just how much this town and the state and everybody else embraced it. That outpouring of support, you know, even the Food City right up the road up here, right after it had a congratulations Bassmaster Classic champ, Hot Depot, you know, so being seeing that up here in Granger County, you know, at the Food City sign, that just that kind of support awesome. that the community has really poured out. That was what was what you know was really exciting, really humbling about it. Just how much everybody here got behind it. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, and you, you pronounced your your name Defoe. <laughs> that's that's right. For the record, yeah, we, we were saying Defoe before we got here, and uh, he had to to set us straight on that. Yeah, and uh, you said actually during the classic, you had to tell the announcer, yep. how to say your name. Yeah, right? I think it was at my second classic. I, I I told Dave Mercer, who's who's done every classic I've ever fished in, I said. And it's easy. I mean, a lot of people look at it and they, they want to say Defoe. But, uh, but yeah, it's actually the correct way is Defoe is to pronounce it. And it might have been at a classic where I kind of busted his bubble in front of <laughs> however, many, however many thousands of people and, and told him the right way to say it. But, uh, well, but he, yeah. He got it right on uh, on this year, right? Oh, he yeah. Sure he's, not, he's not missed it since. <laughs> a thousand times he must have said that. Yeah. And, and where'd you grow up, Ott? Knoxville. Knoxville was my, I mean, my, was my address from the time I was born until actually my wife and I first got married. And for about – 18 months or so we lived up in dandridge um and then moved actually back next door to my mom and dad and lived there and, and it was a knoxville address if you're familiar with four-way in yeah it was really close to four-way in there um, the cardins over there oh yeah absolutely that shakes around I had, I had a lot of milkshakes at cardins hey man uh, we should go there yeah <laughs> no kidding yeah you, you really should for dinner i mean there ain't no doubt that's a it's a good place but that area was where i was born and raised and um, spent most of my life there but actually now a couple years getting close to a couple of years here in Granger County in Blaine. Now, where'd you go to high school? Went to Jefferson County High School, actually. Yeah, yep. I thought so. Yeah. I went to did. Jeff, graduated in 97. Okay. And I believe uh, brother-in-law Adam Martin had you in class maybe. Okay. First yeah. year or two he taught. Is yeah. that correct? That's Yes. Yeah, Martin. Yeah. yeah. Mr. Martin out yeah. in the Bill Nate. In the yes. ag. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yep, yep. I'm sure did. I'm sure he didn't teach you anything about fishing. No, <laughs> no. I actually, but I did take his, it was a, I can't. I'll, you'll have to help me with the name of it, but it was a class where you you grow stuff in water. So you know, I mean, you grow, hydroponics yeah, or you something. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, That's I, cool. yeah, I took that class. Uh, that, that was one of his classes that I remember taking. So I, I can say I, I went to the same high school as Ot Defoe. <laughs> Defoe. There you Golly, go. There messed it up, and my brother-in-law had him in class. <laughs> yep. How cool is that? Yep. Right? Now I'm in his man cave. You yeah. can see it looks like we're in a mini Bass Pro Shops here or something. Yep. He's got. Every kind of lure you can think of and every color you can imagine. Yep. Some you can't. But. Yeah. And you can't see it, but some rods hanging above us. <laughs> yeah. This is yeah. awesome. A couple awesome. spares up there. It's amazing how much tackle you do go through. Fish as much as I do throughout the course of a year. And, and you know, one of those pegs, I may not touch it for a year, but then the next year I may use every one of those and 10 more bags of them. You just never know which, mm. which one it's going to be. And my line of work, you got to have, you got to be stocked up. Right, tools for the trade. That's exactly right. Well, let's get back to the classic. I got us diverted there. I'm <laughs> sorry. Each day of the classic, we yes. know you did well the first day and we're yep. all just tickled to death. And the second day, things didn't go so good. Can you walk yeah. us through that? Yeah, that, that first day was a dream day. It really was. And you look at it on paper, I had, had 20 pounds, had a, two and a half pound lead or something on the on the next closest angler and you look at that and i was only 20 pound bag i mean all this kind of stuff hometown he's like he's got two and a half pound lead this he's got this one in the bag you know was kind of what everybody thought when you looked at that but that day come together really really beautifully and i had none to spare Mm. (laughs) i mean I, i caught my last fish about a four pounder when i had about 40 minutes of fishing time left and i culled one that was less than two pounds so it was like a two or a little bit better pound cull mm. right there late in the day. Okay. And so, I mean, I, I had five good bites that day. I landed all five of them. 
and one of those happened to be a six pounder that I caught that was hooked really funny that I was very very blessed to be able to get in the boat the kind of fish that you lose a lot of times mm. and just to get that particular fish to bite I actually stopped on this point I fished a hundred times probably more than a hundred times but I stop out there and I start going down one side of it and the little voice inside my head said and remember that little bit of rock outcropping over here on this other side. So I actually spun the boat around, kicked around to the other side of that point, fired that storm Arashi vibe up there, and caught that six-pounder. So it was just stuff like that that happened throughout the whole day. You know, timing, being in the right place at the right time. That that first day went perfect. It could not have went any better. Okay. The second day honestly started off really good. I caught a good fish in the first 45 minutes of the day, maybe an hour of the day. And that was kind of my pace. I mean, if I could catch a good fish every hour, hour and a half even, I didn't need to catch but five, and I, I knew I was going to catch kind of the right quality. So I caught a good one early, fished a little bit more, caught a couple keepers, and then it went totally stale. I just My rotation was bad. My timing was off. Whatever it was, I don't know. And I finally had to go through playing B, C, D, and E, wow. went to F, and, and just to go catch a couple keepers, just to, mm-hmm. to finish out my limit, and, yep. uh, mm-hmm. and end up culling a couple times, but, but never with any fish of any size. And, you know, to have been so, to have been on such a high that first day of having such a big bag, everything going so perfect, being on top of the world, leading the classic here at home, to the next day where the only thing that went right went right about the first hour and then it was the wheels fell off the bus from there on. Wow. I felt like I gave it away. I really did because it it was, you know, I had such a, not I didn't have a huge lead after the first day, but if I'd had just a decent bag again, mm-hmm. 15 pounds, Average day. I would have had a big lead at that mm-hmm. point in time. And, you know, to now be sitting back in fourth place, I'm a couple pounds out of the lead. I'm not out of it, but I'm not up there with a big cushion where I really wanted to be. I was pretty upset. I really was. I was upset with myself. I didn't understand why I had to be this way. I didn't understand God's greater plan in this event Mm. and to why why, why he wanted to put me up on a podium the first day then to just knock me right back down (laughs) on the second day. Humble you a little bit. But he had a plan in it. And, uh, you know, to go back out on that final day. And that when I got to where I started fishing, I realized exactly why. I didn't need to be leading because I could see some of the other guys who were ahead of me, uh, Jacob Wheeler and Chris Aldane, and a couple of other guys who were fishing in the same general area. And man, they had just tons and tons of boats following them, which is fine. I've dealt with that. I dealt with it a lot of, on the first couple of days. And it's it's neat to have that, but it is a distraction. Mm. And, you know, I didn't, I didn't need all that extra pressure. I didn't need to know that I was the one who could lose something. I was the one who was in a place – I had nothing to lose and everything to gain. Mm. And that was a really, really dangerous place to be mm-hmm. in. And I actually told told them that morning before we left the dock, I said, I'm, I said, I have nothing to lose, nothing whatsoever. So I, I could just go fish free, just go fishing and yeah. take it as it came. And that was what spelled success for you ultimately. It did. It did. You know, I went out, I caught a couple keepers fairly quick, nothing big. And then about 9.30, I made a move to a marina um, where I hadn't fished any in practice, any in the tournament before that, but just decided to pull up on this marina, started throwing a bladed jig, and right off the bat caught like a two-and-a-half-pounder, so a decent fish. And then the very next one was almost four, or it might have been actually a little bit over four. Finished off my limit pretty quick, come back through it, caught another four-pounder and a three-and-a-half-pounder and one of those kind of deals. And so I had a, wow. had a really good bag when I left there, probably 16 or a little better. And I hit a couple more places and almost mirror image of the first day where I had less than an hour's fishing time left. Still had about a 25-minute run back up the lake. Actually, I only had about 20 minutes fishing time left. 
and a place that was really good to me the first day. We got just a little bit of breeze on that final afternoon, pushing over on, across that point. And again, it was just that little voice in my head that said, you might ought to give that place one more shot. And I pull up over there and catch a four-pounder. And that was, wow. you know, people have asked, they're like, when did, you, when did you think you had won? When I lipped that fish and I put it in the boat, and it was a two-pound cull again there, I was like, yeah, I'll probably, probably still the deal on about this it. thing. Yep. And, and you're talking about the breeze pushing across the point. Tell me, tell our people listening, why does that make a difference? Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it's kind of funny because when we fished Fort Loudon at that point in time, they were running tons of water. Actually, the water mm -hmm. right here behind the house was higher than I've ever seen it. Same on the French broadside. They were pumping 65 or 70,000 cubic feet per second. Being a river guy, I'd follow all keep that stuff. That. I keep yeah. up with that a lot. Yeah. That's as much current as I've ever fished on that system down there on Fort Loudon. So there was tons and tons and tons of current. And so the water's moving like crazy anyway. Yeah. But man, that wind, it just it disturbs the surface of the water and it just makes those fish more active. I mean, there was okay. current pushing a little bit across that place. So it's not that the wind was pushing the water. The current was already moving. Mm -hmm. But it's just the fact that that wind kind of breaks the surface. It makes those fish a little bit more comfortable. And it disguises you and your bait just that I much see. better. That's, that's really the biggest thing as an angler. As if you're fishing a place where the water's slick calm, Versus a place where there's just a couple inches of ripple, you've got so much more of an advantage as an angler because that fish just can't tell what's going on. That, that, just a simple thing on that. If you're ever in a swimming pool, look at it when that water is glass calm. Look at the bottom, then look at it when you've got a ripple. And you, can't, you almost can't tell what's going on down there on the bottom. You can't tell how deep it is. But when it's really slick calm, you can make out every penny on the bottom. It's no different for those fish being down there looking up. Or looking down at your bait if it's a bottom bait. But having that surface disturbance just gives the angler a huge advantage. That's awesome. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that yeah. with somebody yeah. I never considered. I thought maybe the wind had pushed the bait fish in or something. Had something right. to do with that. But yeah, no. Had nothing to do with it. It really didn't. I okay. actually stopped on that point earlier in the day, and I saw some really big gizzard shad up there flipping around on that point earlier in the day. But the fish just wouldn't bite. I actually had a couple just bump the bait, but they wouldn't, get, they wouldn't eat it good enough to get hooked up because they – they're just they're they're too aware of everything at that point in time. But once you get that surface broke up a little bit, and it don't take a lot sometimes, just a little bit goes a long way. Nice. Tell yeah. us about that. You've caught this last fish. It's four pounds. Mm -hmm. I'm sure your stomach's in knots. You're trying yeah. to get back to the to the stadium. Yeah. Tell us that when you're going in and you're on your boat and about to weigh in, what's the feeling? What's the feeling like right there? The, you know, from the time we got back, um, you know, and I did a couple of interviews as soon as we got back because they kind of felt like, I, you know, that I had won and stuff. It was. It was the, the only thing I wanted to do, and I had and I called my wife. I just wanted to see her and the kids. I, I mean, that was, yeah. you know, that was the people that I wanted to see right then, just to, if at all possible. There was just no way for them to get out of the arena and, and get to see them. Mm -hmm. So I, I wanted to hurry up way in i wanted to get it all over with so i could so i could see them Same on family. the stage and, and embrace them and mm -hmm. you know share this moment with them that was there's nothing more i wanted to do at that point in time than just to embrace with them and you know for them to get to enjoy this moment that's awesome and so then you, you do you know that you've won until that fish is weighed on stage you, you really don't you know i mean it, because nothing's official right okay um, you know i mean i, I talked with jacob i talked with other guys who were, who were ahead of me and stuff and uh and of course they've got with bass, they've got bass track, but it's not official. Mm -hmm. You know, not everybody weighs their fish. Actually, in those events, I'll, I'll weigh them to cull and that kind of stuff. So typically, if everything's entered, my fish are pretty accurate on, on their deal. But not everybody is that way. So mm -hmm. some guys will be two pounds heavy. Some guys will be two pounds light. But I, see. But I talked with I Jacob see. backstage, and, you know, we were allowed to do that. And he's like, no, man, I've 
got 12 or 13 pounds, whatever it was he had. So he was he wasn't pulling my leg or anything. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but you, you still until it until it's called out, until it's right. official, yeah. it ain't official. And and yeah, it was a big relief once they once they finally once Trip finally said or Mercer finally said what the final weight was. That's awesome. And and how much again does that trophy weigh there? Uh, 35 and a half pounds. As much as I lugged it around, I felt like it was a lot more. But I had to set it on the scale just to know for sure. But yeah, 35 and a half pounds. At and least you got it over your head. Oh yeah, yeah. I saw oh, yeah. that man. Yeah. Oh god, I'd drop it. <laughs> <laughs> break it right in front of everybody but right. i see the names of all the previous winners yeah on here and when was the first classic fished the first classic i'll look over here just so i don't get it wrong 71 71 so that trophy has been going since then yeah and names are being added to it and of yeah. course you keep this one but the yeah. next one will have your name that's right engraved yeah. on it right yeah, absolutely so the next winner will We'll have that in his Absolutely. man cave. Maybe maybe in here, we hope, yeah, right? Yeah, it'd be fine by me, yeah. <laughs> are, you, are you still fishing with the Bassmasters, or I'm, have you changed? Yep, I'm fishing the Major League Fishing now. The Bass Pro Tour is what I'm, what I'm doing now. Tell us how that works. That's a, pretty cool from what I've heard about it. It really is. You know, with Major League Fishing, a big thing, two big things with them that compare them to any other circuit. Number one is every fish counts. So as long as it weighs a pound or more, it goes to your total weight. Okay. The part with that that works is the fact that we catch it. There's an official in the boat. We weigh it. We meet, we immediately release it. So we can fish a place that has an 18 inch size limit on smallmouth, a slot limit. None of those things matter because we never retain okay. the fish. So we okay. can catch it. We can weigh it. We can immediately release it. So it's a huge thing as far as conservation, oh, as far as taking care of the fisheries is concerned. I mean, bass has always done an outstanding job. Has a 98 or 99 percent live release rate so i mean mm. they take really good care of the resource as well but with ours there's almost no impact whatsoever you know whether it's a local tournament a triple a, a professional level you always haul those fish back to a central location you weigh them there and then even when they have a release boat they only go out at mile two miles five miles will be a really long way for them to take them well, anglers may have run 50, 60, 70 miles to go right. catch these fish. So you always, and we've dealt with it on local lakes around here, you always deal with some stockpiling of fish, you know, around around boat ramps that are used a lot for tournaments. Right. Um, and and that's just kind of creates an unbalanced fishery, mm. you know, for a little bit. So that's the great thing with the Major League Fishing format is that we catch that fish, we weigh it, we immediately release it. So like an event we had just a few weeks ago or one we had down at Chickamauga where we're catching a lot of fish that are spawning. Mm -hmm. We can catch that fish. We can weigh it. We can let it go. It goes right straight back to the bed mm -hmm. to be able to finish finish spawning, you know, successfully. So it's there's a lot of great things with that format. But somewhat similar as far as the tour of it goes, you know, we have eight regular events. We have a Red Crest, which is our championship. But we actually have those bonus events with Major League Fishing as well. What everybody's seen on TV for years and years which are the major league fishing cups. So those are mm. those are also shot along with that. With the tour, I'm in my own rig and the cups, that's the ones that where you're in their boat, everybody's in the same deal and you know nothing until you pull up oh, at the ramp. A little more suspense. Yes. A lot got, more. I mean you pull up there at the ramp and they say, Here's where you're fishing today. Good luck. Mm. Is that where, right? Oh yeah. Where in the Bass Pro Tour <laughs> you get like a day and a half of practice to go out oh. and scout. You know where you're going ahead of time. You can look at maps, you can look at Google Earth, that type of stuff. With the cups, it's totally in the dark. You don't even know the city you're going to until about two weeks prior before you go there. No kidding. Oh yeah. So yep. with the Bass Master, when it came to town, I wasn't ready for the, the circus that came with it. <laughs> I mean I knew it'd be big, but I had yeah. no clue. Yeah. Is there anything similar with uh, the tour you're at now? Do they travel around and have the big stage and the show there's a, there's a really big stage but most of our focus is based on live 
So everything that we okay. do. So the most anglers there are in a day is 40 anglers that are out there on the water. There's 10 cameras that are in anglers' boats. There's four more cameras that are floating around live. So you just have so much live coverage that you can watch and actually yeah. see all that action as it happens. Better than you can if you're there in person to try to watch something right. because yeah, man, you, you can pull it up on your phone and watch 10 different angles. Yeah. You know, so. We were talking about that earlier. I was in a patrol boat a couple of days and got to pull that up and watch mm -hmm. y'all fishing, and it yeah. was cool for us yeah. to get to see that uh, through the Bassmasters. Yeah. So it's, it's going to be similar to that, only everything's expanded. live. Uh, yeah, it's, it's all expanded with that, especially okay. with the tour because there's – like the Classic, for example, there were 50 or so anglers in it. I think there were maybe five or six live cameras. We've got 40 anglers, so a few less anglers with 10 live cameras. Okay. So, wow. You know, they're just able to catch so much more yeah. of the action because so many, you know, 25% of the field has a camera in the boat. And it helps people like me that can't fish a lick watch what <laughs> you're me. doing and maybe yeah. might yeah. learn something <laughs> Absolutely. Because that's, I mean, watching that live stuff, if I'm not out there fishing, I can watch it. You know, I about can't turn it off. You know, mm -hmm. being a fisherman at all, it's really hard to turn that off when it's on. Okay. Yeah. That's exciting. Well, speaking of folks like me and you that don't know a whole lot about fishing, how about a little AOD right now, we think? According to Ot <laughs> yeah. Defo. So this is our new segment that Matt just came up with okay. today. Okay. <laughs> On the way over here. And, yeah. And what were you telling us earlier? This is what you... Uh, what you ought to do. Ought to do. You <laughs> yeah. hear that? All right. According right. to Ott Defoe, yeah, what this, you ought This is what you do. ought to do. These are all Ott's opinions on, yep. on fishing here. Absolutely. All right. According to Ott Defoe, what is the top bass fishing lake in Tennessee? Top bass fishing lake in Tennessee. In Ott's opinion, where you ought to go would probably be Chickamauga, especially if you're yeah. really wanting to target a big fish. You know, I mean, that's yeah. there's... No place in, in our state that cranks out more 10-pounders mm -hmm. than, uh, than Chickamauga. I filmed in there a few times for my show and stuff, and, and man, it's, it's, a, it's a lot of fun. Now, you, but you said lake. If you were going to say river, that would have been a much harder choice because we've got so many great rivers here in East Tennessee. Give us your river then. I, I, I live on the Holston, so yeah. I'm definitely a, a little partial to it, but the French Broad is also, also one I'm, I'm pretty partial on it. You know those some of the tournaments I've won on Douglas. Yeah, French Broads had a big part in some of those. So I've I've probably won more uh, other than Fort Loud now. Mm. Yeah, but I had one more up the French Broad River than I had anywhere else. Okay, yep. well, this this is my home turf down oh, here, yeah. so I understand what he's talking about. <laughs> he's so, taking yep. notes. Yep. yep. All right. According to Ott Defoe, what is the top bass fishing lake in the nation? In the nation, man, wow. that's a, that's a tough one. Um, one that I've been to, and, and I get asked that a lot, you know, anywhere in the country that you go. So many of the places in the south, whether it's Florida, Texas, you've got a chance at catching just a, a really, really huge giant fish, you know, mm -hmm. 10, 12 pounder, that kind of stuff. But a lot of the places we go up north, the quality is just unbeatable. And, and the two that always, to me, always rival each other are the St. Lawrence River up in New York and mm -hmm. Lake St. Clair in Michigan. Okay. You wouldn't go wrong with either one of those. To me, you could flip a coin and, and save one or the other. I would probably go with the St. Lawrence River, though, just because I am a river guy. How about that? Cool. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Learn some stuff here. All right. According to Ott Defoe, what is the single best bass fishing lure there is? If you could only fish one lure yeah. the rest of your life, what would you fish? It's probably going to be the answer that you've heard a lot. And what you ought to throw for the rest of your life is a jig. Okay. I mean, a half-ounce jig, whether it's, whether it's swimming a white one. That's, you know, fishing a, a brown and orange one on the bottom. You know, it looks like a crawdad. Flipping it in trees. Uh, 
Yeah, a, a jig is, is what you ought to have tied on all the time. A jig, all right. <laughs> well, this is good here. We ought to jig. Yep. These last two, I'm going to go with, uh, yeah, we'll go in order here. All right, according to Ott Defoe, who is the best current or professional, I'm sorry, the best current professional or okay. amateur bass fisherman in Tennessee? In Tennessee. There's a lot of good guys that club fish that oh, can yeah. just wear somebody out Absolutely. at any time. So who's yep. the best fisherman? I know you're the you're top here yeah. besides Ott Defoe. <laughs> I'm going to say Ott Defoe. Who, yeah. Could you put a name on that? That's Man, that, tough. That, that, is, that is a tough one. Um, but I, I, would, I would have to say – the guys I fish against, man, Andy Morgan is is probably about as good natural angler as what I've ever seen. I mean, he just he won that event down there on Chickamauga we had this year, and man, just a, an awesome individual, but just really a very very talented natural angler, um, just all around. I mean, it doesn't matter where you put him, he's probably going to come back with some fish. Okay, awesome. shout out to Andy Morgan yeah, there. Yeah. Yep. All right, and the last one, according to Ott Defoe, who is the best professional or amateur bass fisherman of all time? Hmm, of all time. There's a lot of good names on that trophy yeah, right yeah, there. Yeah, there are. Is there a hero you had growing up or somebody that you, he's he's yeah. who I want to be? The, my, the, the person I looked up to a lot was Jay Yellis. Um, that's just, a, that's the guy who I met early in my career and I've always admired. And the way he carries himself, being a godly man, and just mm. the way he's always done things is, is one. But another one is, and my son's name is Parker. Mm. That's named after Hank Parker. Okay. That's, that's not yeah. my chance. So yeah. Hank, Hank is definitely a, a, a guy that I've always looked up to and, again, has done things the right way. He won a couple of classics. Yep. And, um, and yeah, no, definitely a, a, a very good godly man and, and somebody that – you know, I've got to spend a little bit of time with. Never been in a boat with either one of those guys, actually. But both of those are really great individuals. Have you got to tell him that his your son's named after? I have. Yeah. Yep, yep. Okay. That's yep. awesome. I that is saw special. Him just last week up in up in Wisconsin at a Mercury Summit deal. Um, but yeah, ought, I, I would have to. I would ought to say that, that Hank Parker <laughs> would probably be my number one. Awesome. <laughs> yep. All you know, right. it's amazing that your name's going to be on that, or it's right there on that trophy. Share with him. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That's part of that dream come. More than I could have ever imagined in that dream that came oh, true. Oh, yeah. And speaking of family, tell us about your family here. Huh? Yeah. yeah. If you we, don't mind. We'll that out. Absolutely. Absolutely. Jenny and I, uh, this year, 2019 in August, will have been married for 15 years. Dated in high school and got married not, not long after high school. But uh, Abby will be 12, or she is 12. I, they all just had birthdays. Mm -hmm. um, Abby turned 12. And then we've got Parker and Lizzie that are twins that are that are eight now. So twins. one boy, two girls. and Yeah. Life is good. Yes, very, very Been blessed family. Blessed. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. So we didn't get to it, but we're going to run out of time. We've got two minutes. Do you hunt and fish? Yes. Oh, yeah. Awesome. And I've just recently got into hunting. It's not something that I've done my whole life, but actually my kids are who have gotten me into hunting. Abby and Parker have both already shot a deer. Awesome. Oh, Dad's yeah. still not shot one yet. <laughs> okay. Um, we went and chased some turkeys a little bit this spring. Didn't get one of those, yeah, but yeah, no, we've uh, got into that and, and recently got a bow and getting into bow fishing a little bit so yeah. okay and then one more before we got to go okay um who introduced you to fishing it would have been my dad okay yeah cool. absolutely my dad at, at a young age i fished my first tournament with my dad when i was nine years old and uh and yeah i gotta thank him for for getting me into into something i had a passion about and then he was he was there to always fuel that passion and get me on the water every time we had a chance and who knew it'd be this big exactly <laughs> exactly and your brother's a pretty good fisherman too he's not too bad either yeah. yep yep no doubt. sunny yeah yep family affair yes sir hot nice. defoe we yes. appreciate you <laughs> thank you very much thank you for allowing yes. us to invade so your space much. absolutely absolutely and, uh, matt thank you for co-hosting with me thanks today. for having yeah. me man yeah. i'm thrilled
Hey, thank y'all for watching. Uh, tune in on Facebook, watch this, YouTube. We're on social media all over the place here getting the information out to you. And uh, thanks to Art, man. It's been awesome. We'll see you next time. Thanks for tuning in. Stay connected with TWRA by visiting our website at tnwildlife.org and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Hey, it's all about Tennessee wildlife. It's what we do. Tennessee Wildcast will be on the air again next week. We'll see you then. Thank you.